I'd like for you to open God's holy word this morning to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and my text today will be verses 23 and verses 24. After David offers much praise and adoration to God, these last few verses are a prayer to the Lord. It's a very serious prayer, a a prayer that has little or no concern with outward appearance, but David is bringing his heart to the Lord. He wants God to reveal to him his very nature, asking God to show him if there's anything in his life that needs to be corrected. So it's a, a prayer uh, that is given in earnest, an air, a prayer that is truly seeking God. When we pray this way, it is a prayer that no doubt is produced by the Holy Spirit when we get that honest with God. It is a prayer that proves the fact that we are in union with God And it is a prayer that proves that we desire, above anything else, communion with God. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. May the Lord give us His wisdom from His Word this morning. David asked God, first of all, to search. Search me. Not indeed because God needs to learn anything, or He needs to inquire, or gain any knowledge. But David prays, Lord, search me, because He, God and God alone, is the only one that can reveal to us the very nature of what our heart is like. You see, this is an open invitation to God to scrutinize our lives and show us what we are made of. You see, God is in the business of searching our hearts. In Psalm 139, the very first verse we read there is, O Lord, You have searched me and You know me. Our desire should be for God to reveal to us His very true identity. Now David has spoken to the Lord about some very serious matters here as he prays an imprecatory prayer in verses 19 through 22. He prays that the Lord would slay the wicked in verse 19. He he pray he mentions to God in verse 21. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? And he exclaims in verse 20 that I I have hated them with a perfect hatred. That's a, a holy hatred or a righteous hatred the way God hates. So David is... is reminiscing here that, Lord, I've said some, thro- some strong things. 
And I want you to search my heart and know my heart to be sure that I am saying that I am living out that which was in accord with Your will. Why? Why should we do this? Simply because we cannot trust our own hearts at times. For the Word of God tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's from Jeremiah chapter 17. It goes on further to say in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. God is searching our hearts this morning to see if our hearts are true before Him. And, you know, God is a God who sees all things. Look at the, look back in Psalm 139. In the first verse, first six verses, we see that God is a God who, who knows everything and knows everything about us. Verse 2, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar. Yea, He understands our thoughts better than we understand our thoughts. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, You know it all together. Even before the word comes off of our tongue and we speak, God knows that word that's in our hearts, that's on our tongue, even before it's spoken. Verse 5, You have hedged me behind and before you have and laid your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain it god is familiar with all of our ways he is a god that is omniscient he knows all things not only does he know know all things he is everywhere present at the same time look at verses uh Uh, Let's look at verse 8. Look at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, or rather Sheol, the place of all of the unseen dead, I cannot escape you there, for you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and fly, to, whether it be the east, west, north, south, straight up, I kind of cannot escape the presence of God. Or if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, in the deepest regions, the deepest depths of the sea, God is there as well. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall take hold of me. Even if there's great darkness, in verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall upon me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. God sees all things. No matter how dark it is, no matter how light it is, uh, I recall the uh, president of the seminary which I attended, Dr. Rayburn, was once in the military and he was in the Korean War 
and he was uh, asked by his commanding officer if he would be willing to make a jump into enemy territory in the middle of the night. Well, Dr. Rayburn had never jumped from a plane at all, so his commanding officer says, I am not going to tell you you must do this. I'm just simply asking you if you would like to go because we need a chaplain to go there on the field with us. Well, Dr. Rayburn said, I will pray about that. Well, as he began to pray, he said, Lord, I've never jumped out of an airplane, and I've certainly never jumped out of an airplane at night. And he read these verses from one Psalm 139. The day and the night are alike to God. And with that answer of prayer, he told his commanding officer that he would be willing to go with the men into a difficult situation because he knew God was with him. No matter where he went, whether it was in the night or in the day, God was with him. So, knowing that God knows all things, and He is acquainted with all of our ways, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, we come before God with this sincere prayer, this desire for God to reveal Himself to me. It's a a prayer asking for, God, I want Your divine inspection in my life. Do you want that? You know, it can, be, it can be very painful at times, can it not? But if our hearts are right with God, we want to have God's opinion of ourselves and not our own opinion of ourselves. Because as the verse we read in Jeremiah, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know them? Well, God can know them. So, so, God, so David cries out to God, Lord, search me. Search me, Lord, and know know my heart. I may not know my heart, but God knows my heart. Show me who I truly am. For man looks at the outward appearance. Everything may look well among us, but God does. God is not concerned about our outward appearance. God is a God who looks upon our hearts. Now, what is our heart? Well, when you, when you look at the heart from the biblical point of view, the heart is it's us. It's the seat of our emotions and our affections and our, our feelings. But it also relates not to that emotional side of us, of us, but also the intellectual portion of us. It relates to our minds and our, and our wills. Who we are, what we think about. Our emotions, our our mindset, our desires. This is what David asked for. God, know me. Know who I am. Know my heart. Am I truly seeking the things of God in the light? Do I want God's will in my life? Or or do I think much about the things of darkness and the things of flesh that displease God? James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 say, Each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. You see, if we desire the things of the flesh, the things of this dark world, then that's what we're going to reap. 
We're going to bring heartache upon ourselves and eventually death. But if we desire to see our life as God sees it, then God can give us wisdom and understanding. Keep your place there in Psalms and turn with me to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Solomon gives the very reason why the Proverbs are given to us. Look at verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. You see, these are the truths and the blessings that come to us from God. To receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. You see, God imparts this wisdom and this truth from Himself. In this case, in the realm of Proverbs. We're going to look at a few verses further on about the whole Word of God and how it can give us these things and how it can reveal our very nature of our heart to us. But these are the things that we need. We need this wisdom, this truth, this knowledge, this understanding that comes from God. The big question is, is this really a prayer that we offer to God? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Lord, Reveal those inconsistencies in my life. You, you recall when uh, Jesus, of course, had, at this time had gone to the cross. He'd been raised from the dead. And He met His disciples there upon the Sea of Galilee. By the way, He had breakfast fixed for them when they came out of the boat. And there at that particular time, Jesus confronted Peter. Now what had just happened with Peter? Well, He had denied the Lord. And there was a lot of guilt going on in Peter's life. But Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter had answered, Peter had answered twice, and then the Lord asked him again, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? And Peter, examining his own heart before God, previously he had claimed that he would follow the Lord, he would never turn back, he would never deny Him, but he did. And now he submits himself to God. What does he say? Now he knows, I cannot trust my own heart. I don't even know my own heart. So what does he say to the Lord? Lord, You know. You know. As best I understand, Lord, I know that I love You, but Lord, You know I love You. Giving His heart to God. We don't trust in our own selves, but we ask God who knows the heart to reveal His truth to us. One of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is do we even know God at all? Do we know that we are a child of God? 
Do you know that this morning? Do you have the assurance that if you died today, you would go and be with the Lord? That's something you need to get reconciled. Today, for today is the day of salvation. Do you know if you died, whether or not you'd go to heaven? And why should God allow you into heaven? It's not because of any works of righteousness which you have done, but it's according to the perfect atonement, the perfect sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross in order that He might be a substitute for you in your sinfulness, in order that He might present you to the Father without fault and without blame because you've trusted in Him to forgive you of all His sins. And you stand not in your sins, but you stand clothed with the perfection of Christ. You're ready to meet the Lord. Do you know that? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Lord, you've searched me and know me. Know my heart. And as believers today, what do our hearts desire above anything else? You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter. 3 says, as he expresses his heart, he says, I want to know Christ. Is that where our hearts are? I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, being conformed to His death, experience the fellowship of His sufferings, in order that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Lord, You search me and You know my heart. Is that where my heart is? Do I want to know Christ? And then he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me. In other words, God, uh, test me. Uh, And that's that's what God does. God's in the business of testing His children. We know the story of of Job, where Satan came before the presence of the Lord and desired that he might test Job. Job. And of course, God was one in the sense that initiated the conversation because it was His desire that Job be tested. God allows this. He tests His own in order to reveal to us uh, who we are, what we're made of. Are we seeking God? Or, or is there some unfaithfulness in our heart, some perversity that we need to deal with? Some anger, some fear, some doubt, some hypocrisy. Any type of inconsistency. God searches the heart and He puts us through tests. Sometimes they're even tests of chastening. Uh, We talked about rebuke this morning. The Spirit of God works in us to rebuke us, to chasten us. Keep your place there in Psalm and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is God speaking to the children of Israel who who were in the midst of their wanderings in the wilderness getting ready to go in and take the promised land. Chapter 8 and verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe 
that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God has led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did He do that? To humble you and to test you. Time and time, God tested them to know what was in your heart. Again, God wasn't fishing for information, was He? No, He he gave the children of Israel this test in order that they might know the reality of what was going on in their very hearts. Whether or not you would keep His commandments or not. Verse 3, So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with the manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know in order that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. God was testing His people. Would you believe God? Would you trust God in the midst of this wilderness wanderings when there was not enough to eat? Would you believe that God was going to take care of you? When there was not enough to drink, that God was going to provide for you. He was with His people and He was building their trust. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. This is why God tests us. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear Me and always keep My commandments. That I might be well with them and with their children forever. That's why God tests us. He desires to know and to reveal to us that we really do fear Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom and that we might keep His commandments. Jesus said, if we love Him, keep My commandments, He says. Know My heart, Lord. Test Me. Try Me. Reveal to Me the very nature of who I am. My thoughts, My actions. Know Me, O God, and put Me through the test. Lord, I give you my heart right now. I want you to investigate me, cross-examine me, test me, prove me, in order that I might have a greater understanding of your will. Psalm 26 and verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me or test me. Try my mind and my heart. God does this with His people. Uh, this past, I believe it was last Wednesday night, we studied about Gideon, Gideon when God was calling his army to go forth against the Midianites. He tested the army by the way they drank, whether or not they were vigilant enough to go into battle. If they got down on all fours and stuck their head in the water, it ruled them out. But if they cupped the water, looking around, being vigilant, those, those were the ones. God tests His people. We've already mentioned the fact that God, God tested Peter when, when God said to uh, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat and I shall permit it. You see, Peter came to the end of himself. He said, though all follow you, I will stand firm. And he did not. God tested him to show that his heart was not as true as he thought it was. 
God tested Hezekiah. Hezekiah had become proud. He had become unbelievably wealthy. And now he was proud that all that he had, had attained. And the Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 31 that God withdrew from him. That doesn't mean he forsook him completely, but he withdrew his spirit, his, his countenance, his, his, his grace to him in order that Hezekiah, you're going to stand a little bit on your own in order that he might know what was in his heart. God was testing. God was proving. Just this past week, we talked to some, some people uh, within our fellowship and going through difficult times. For many, it's hard to see the hand of God when you're in the midst of that difficulty. But be for sure, if you're a child of God, God is working in your life right now to prove you and to test you. We can rejoice in this. If we receive not the discipline of the Lord, the writer to the Hebrews tells us, then we are not His children. And God at times, as He did with Hezekiah, sometimes He kind of lets us go our way, withdraws from us to test us. Our confession of faith. On the topic of providence, chapter 5, verse 5, listen to these words. The most wise, righteous, and gracious God doth oftentimes leave for a season His own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their heart, to chastise them for their former sins, and to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts, in order that they might be humbled and to raise them to a more close and constant dependence for their support upon Himself." and to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin. God withdraws from us. And what happens to us? Well, we may fall flat on our face. But the next time we're tempted, we're going to remember, wow, look what happened to me when I went my own way and I did my own thing. God was testing you. God was proving you in order that we might learn to draw near unto Him, to seek His way. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10, the Scripture says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. If you're a child of the God this morning, God does this with you. God works. God allows you to go into the deep waters for a purpose that you may not understand to draw you closer to Him, that you might set your affection more upon the eternal rather than the temporal. We go through these difficult trials and we can't understand why. We don't see the hand of God working in these trials. But Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 7, some of the reasons why we go through various trials. In order that the genuineness of your faith 
being much more precious than the gold that perishes, though it is tested in the fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you catch that? When we go through a trial and we are trusting, believing God, we're faithful in all of that trial, that is precious to God that we trust, that we trust and obey no matter what's going on. This morning we we, we sang the, the great hymn, He leadeth me, whatever my lot may be, it's still God's hand that leadeth me. And we rejoice in that, that He's working in our lives. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And then His prayer is that, that God would know. I think the King James says thoughts there. Is that right? That God would know my thoughts. The New King James says anxieties. Maybe the best proper uh, translations might be know my anxious thoughts. Know, know what's going on here. Because you know, so oftentimes when we get into a difficult situation and we do not react in faith and trust, but we react in fear, what happens? What happens in that situation? We become paralyzed, do we not? We can't serve God. We can't even move. Let's take a few minutes and, and turn our Bibles to... Numbers chapter 23, or excuse me, Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> Those that were sent in to spy out the land of Canaan. They came back and they gave a report. And as you know, ten of them gave a negative report. They were not trusting God. They were giving in to their fears. In verse 27, they report to the congregation, it truly flows, the land of Canaan that is, truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Verse 28, Nevertheless, Nevertheless, The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified. In another text in Deuteronomy, they reiterated that the cities were fortified all the way into heaven. They were terrified. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. You see, there's just so much. There's no way we can take that land. But Caleb, Caleb said in verse 30, he quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him says, We are not able. You see, they saw only with their eyes what was before them. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Verse 32, So they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw are men of great stature. 
We saw there the giants, the descendants of Anak, and came from which came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their own sight, so we were in their own sight. Caleb had a different perspective though. He said there in uh, Joshua and, and Caleb said there in verse 8, If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give, a, give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. We can literally eat them up. God will deliver them into our hands. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the people gave way to their anxieties. They only saw the problem that was before them. Joshua and Caleb saw through the problem. They, they pushed away their anxious thoughts and they saw the God that had promised them the victory. And they said, we can do it. So what did the people do? Okay, Joshua and Caleb, you're right. Let's go in and believe God. No, they were so angry, they tried to stone them because they exercised faith in God. Our faith, our, 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 our fears can paralyze our faith and cause us to be disobedient to the Lord. Know my anxious thoughts. Maybe some of us here today have great thoughts of inferiority. You know, Moses was in that category. You know, when the Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush, He said, I have called you to deliver my people out of the land of bondage. And what did Moses say? Who am I, Lord? Who am I? But God says, I will be with you. And then Moses says, yes, Lord, but you know, I don't speak very well. I'm a man that's slow of speech. And God said to Moses, Moses, who is it that made the mouth? I will be the one that will speak through you. You see, God is glorified in using instruments, persons that are not perfect. That's the way He gets the glory. It's not so much as the one who has been sent, but the one who is sending. God said, I will be with you. I'm this way, I'm that way, I can't, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. If God has impressed upon your heart to do something, you have to put away those anxious thoughts. Go forth. Do the will of God. You may not do it perfectly. You may stumble and stammer. But it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God working through His Word and in and through you. Oh, that we would learn this. Put away that inferiority. Uh, Anxious thoughts. What are we anxious about? What what do we worry about? We worry about our nation. We worry about finances. We worry about straying children. We worry about sickness. We worry about loss of a job. We may have some type of general melancholy, depression, or whatever is going on. That's why David says, Lord, know me. Know my Anxious thoughts. 
In Psalm 42, the psalmist there brings his problem before the Lord in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? A simple prayer before the Lord. Why are you cast down? Why why am I discouraged? Why am I giving in to my anxious thoughts? Verse 3, the problem is emphasized greater. My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. When I used to go with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God. He remembers his past experiences of serving the Lord. Now now he's distraught. Something has happened that's prevented him from serving the Lord as he desires. But notice where he goes with this, this issue. He cries out to the Lord. Lord, I... I pant for you as a deer pants for the brooks. Verse 1, So my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is what you do when you have those anxious thoughts. You cast yourself upon the Lord. And what was the response? He received a peace from God. His anxiety turned into trust, where he says in the latter part of verse 5, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. David said in Psalm 19 and verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in Your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Now, brothers and sisters, have you prayed this prayer before? Are you praying this prayer now? That God would search me and know my heart and try me and know my anxious thoughts? Let's let's turn to that psalm. Psalm 19. As David also prays, and more pointedly, and Lord, if there's any wicked ways in my life, show me those areas where there's sin in my life. Look at Psalm 19 and verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Can we understand our errors? Yes, sometimes. Not all the times, though. Why? Because even though we're children of God, the heart is still desperately wicked. It, our hearts can deceive us from time to time. Who can understand His errors? Then He prays, Cleanse me from my secret faults. We may have a lot of secret faults that nobody else knows about. But deeper than that, we may have sinful areas in our life that, that are even hidden to us. So we cry to God, Deliver me, Lord, uh, from my wicked ways. 
those secret areas, but also, verse 13, also, in an opposite perspective, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, willful sins, things that I know they're wrong, but I persist in doing them anyway. You see, keep me from these things, O Lord, he prays, and see if there is in me any wicked way. Now, the, the original word there in the Hebrew is see if there's in me any way of an idol. In other words, anything that I have given my heart to in lieu of you, O God. Turn me from these things, this way of an idol which also will bring into my life nothing but pain and grief. See if there's any, any wicked way in me and turn me from that. The great Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren says that this is the yearning of the devout soul for purity. Oh, brothers and sisters, do we have this kind of a, of a yearning and desire for God this kind of concern that we do not want to do anything contrary to the will of God. We don't want to do anything according to the work of the flesh. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit, but we want to be found faithful to Him. We, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13 that we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not make provision for the flesh. Don't plan for it. Don't provide for it. Don't think about it. But put those desires to death and put you on Christ. How do we turn from the wicked way? Well... The Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, well, we stay in the the book. We stay in the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. That's what the Scriptures do then. You see, when we open the Word of God, listen to me now, if we open the Word of God, it reveals to us all of these things that David is praying about before the Lord that we ought to be praying about before the Lord. But there's a wrong way to view this. It's not that we just pick this Bible up, we read five verses and say, oh good, everything is good, i got my cure now. That's not the way it works, is it? You see, that's the that's way uh, in some particular sects and denominations, that's the way they view the ordinances of the sacraments. You see, that's the same thing. You see, well, I, I've, I've taken the Lord's Supper. I've been baptized, so I'm right with God. I'm good to go. We can do that with the Bible. Oh, I've read the Bible. Oh, oh I'm good. Okay, everything's good. No. It's only that we understand this as it is, the Word of God. Why is it the Word of God? Because it's the words that come forth from God. And we take this Word that comes from God, apply it to our lives, and seek, seeking God, asking God to reveal to us anything that's contrary, anything that's wicked in the eyes of God. When we do that, we have the very mind of God looking upon us. In effect, this prayer is going to be answered. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. The Word of God mirrors that as we look to the Word of God. 
And, verse 13, there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him in whom we must give an account. You see, the former verse, verse 12, deals with the very nature of the Word of God. The Verse 13 deals with the nature of God Himself. And they're saying the same thing. The Word of God and the person of God, you see, as He discerns our hearts because there is absolute and perfect unity in God and His Word. So we look to the Word to find the will and the mind of God. Search me, O God, and know if there's any wicked way in me. So then that brings this down to shoe leather, doesn't it? Who do I hang around with? What do I do? What do I think? Where do I go? Are all of these things going to hinder my walk with the Lord? Are they going to enhance my walk with the Lord? If there's sin in our lives, what do we do? Well, first of all, we acknowledge it. When David had sinned against Bathsheba, he cried out to the Lord against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, he had sinned against Bathsheba. He had sinned against Bathsheba's husband by having him murdered, Uriah the Hittite. But in effect, his sin was against God and he acknowledges that. And he cries out to God, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than than snow. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Cleanse me from my sin. He confesses his sin. The Scripture says in 1 John 1.9 that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see. You see, if we're children of God, it's not like God is the angry judge that just waits to knock us in the head and to punish us. No, but if we're His child, He lovingly directs us, chastens us in order that we might come to Him in confession, acknowledgement, confession, and turn away from our sin because He knows it's going to destroy us and then it's going to hurt us. It's going to bring shame upon us. And then He gives us the grace to repent of that sin. Proverbs 28 and verse 19. He he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And then finally, in our text, Psalm 139, And lead me, David's prayer should be our prayer, and lead me in the way everlasting. Not in the way of this world, for friendship with this world is enmity with God. We think, a person may think they know the right way. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seems right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. No, this is the pathway to God's eternality. The pathway to blessings. 
There's many Psalms that we can look at. We'll just look at one here. Psalm 16. And verse 11. You will show me the path of life. That's what God promises. This is what David prays to God in this psalm. You will show me the path of life. That's the path that we ought to be concerned about. The path that leads to eternal life. What's along that path? In verse 11, in your presence there is a fullness of joy. See, that's the path we want to be on. Lead me in the path everlasting. I know there's going to be problems, issues, problems with this world. Nevertheless, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting where Your presence is. For at Your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So many psalms about the blessed nature of the path that God has for His own children. In Isaiah 35... In verse 8, the Scriptures refers to this path as the highway of holiness, the way of the redeemed, the way of those that came out of bondage, and they, the, the way that were the, of those that were following the Messiah. A highway of holiness. In Isaiah 40, in verse uh, 3, the Scriptures speak of the way of the Lord, a highway for our God. Those verses descriptive of the ministry of John the Baptist, that he was to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his way straight in the desert, because he was indeed on this way of the Lord, this highway for our God. I love the verses in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16 where the Lord admonishes His people to stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. What are those old paths? That's the way of the patriarchs, the way of those that had gone faithful. One one particular uh, commenter said it it is probably even the way of Adam before the fall. The way of righteousness. The way of good. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. This is the path of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. It's His way that we walk. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said that we are to enter in at the narrow gate. For broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be who go that way. But we are entering into the narrow gate, even though the way He promises may be, or in fact is, a difficult way but it is the way that leads to life eternal. Lord, lead me in Your everlasting way. Is this Your prayer today? Is this Your desire to see the hand of God in Your life? Do You pray, search me Oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. 
and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.